hopefully get to Italy, you see some good weather and do some nice, really long, 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 long stages. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 62 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who has ridden a long, 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 long way. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And the news this week, the welter wrapped up on Sunday with Michael Matthews storming in beautifully at the end to win the final stage. I've got to say congratulations, Michael Matthews. Take note, Goss. Well done to Chris Horner for taking out GC. And really, what everyone is talking about is stage 20, an absolute highlight. And I did get a chance to watch it because I couldn't catch it live but Nibali certainly went down fighting, and that is something you don't see often in cycling. Maybe there are more riders out there thinking that like, they'd like to do this stuff, but you really just don't get to see it at the top end of racing. All heart. Well done, Nibali, and you are definitely up there as one of my favorites in cycling. But one thing I have noticed is how people's cautiousness about Chris Horner's win really stops them from congratulating him too much. It all seems toned down when it comes to actually talking about him as the the winner and nothing was more evident to me than when I was talking in my accountability group this week with three people from the USA, three writers from the USA, and they really they didn't want to out and out celebrate it. They were a little unsure about how they felt about the win. And overall, it really does seem to me that something just feels off. It wasn't until I started thinking about this a little bit more as to why the reaction is not as big and celebratory as it should be for someone winning a grand tour. I started articulating my thoughts on this, but then I did come across an article that Wade from Cycling Tips wrote about how we make sense of spectacular performances. And I think it really summed up the idea that's in my head and that I've been thinking about ever since Monday when I had this initial discussion. And I find myself even, you know, I class myself as an optimist when it comes to cycling and I always look for the best, but I really must say that it's weighing me down a little bit more than usual. And I'm not accusing anybody of cheating here, but I'm really am more careful with my emotions these days. And I don't want to get into that world of cynicism, but I really feel that I'm just not allowing myself to enjoy the performance as much as I have in the past. But have you felt this shift? Because I'd be really interested on your thoughts on Horner's win and the way that you and your buddies have reacted to it, because I really think there is a change in the way that we're talking about this. Yes, if you look back at Froome and he won, he had a logical step. But the way I think about Horner is, yes, he was amazing, the performance, but it's only his age here, maybe. It's not like he hasn't been progressing over time and there just has been times when he hasn't had the opportunity or he's been injured or whatever. It just seems everything moved in. This was his once in a lifetime opportunity and he just absolutely went for it and took it. And I can't take that away from him. But I am really interested to hear your thoughts about watching spectacular performances are going and how you're going to react in the future and whether it's slowly going to unravel and you'll be back to yourself celebrating wins when they should be because it's quite unnerving when peeps from the USA aren't jumping and cheering in excitement like I was when Cadell initially won. But 
all that aside, I really, really can't wait for the world champs. I am so looking forward to sitting down and watching the race, but I'll get more into that next week just before we get going. So moving on, I got an email this week from Tony Miles. Hi, Tony. Thank you very much for writing in. And he writes in about the power cow, the Cyclops heart rate pseudo power strap that I talked about last week in the tech hacks and products section. And Tony has a couple of them and he raised an important issue that is actually happening with his. He owns Garmin Edge 800 and a Garmin Edge 810. And he actually has two of these units and he's finding that the cadence is sitting at 255 rpms no matter what he does now i looked into this issue a little bit from what i understand is that most power meters on the market send two signals power and cadence but this is the first one that doesn't send cadence so instead of the cadence it just replaces the spot in your garment with 255 the actual effect on this doesn't seem to be for the recording. It only seems to be for the real time. In the letter itself, Tony says that it is affecting his recording, so he's had to disable cadence altogether, which absolutely sucks because it should all work properly. So it really just seems like a bug. And from more reading on this issue, I found that even but Cyclops and Garmin are both pointing fingers at each other. So they're one saying that they can't fix it because the other one has the problem. So it really doesn't help anyone that has this. I'm glad you wrote in and told me about this issue, Tony, because everyone can now have a better understanding of their Cyclops is not going to give them cadence data when they're writing. I haven't had an actual chance to talk directly with Garmin or Cyclops about this. So my recommendation is if you really want to find out before you buy one where they're at with this issue, definitely go and talk talk to Cyclops and see if your Garmin Edge is compatible with the PowerCal power heart rate strap thing. The final thing that I want to mention here in news is I am traveling to Australia very, very shortly in about a month or so, and I'm really interested in having a couple of meetups. I'd love to get to meet people face to face and just hang out, talk cycling, shoot the shit, whatever it is. I probably won't have a bike, would be a bit of a bummer, but I am open to borrowed bikes. I will be in Sydney and Melbourne around the end of November. The dates are yet to be confirmed, so I'm very flexible, but I would love if anyone interested got in contact at damien at semiprocycling.com and we discuss some details. Uh, I would love it even more because these aren't home cities of mine. If someone had suggestions of where we could go, what we could do, but definitely I can pull all the other information together and so we can have a great day or evening where we just hang out, get to know each other a bit better and talk about your season and the pro season in general before the big build-up to next year. What typically happens is people's VO2 max starts to decline in their early 30s. The highly trained athlete uh, can delay that decline until they're in their later 30s or even 40 or 41 or 42. So with training, the, the athlete uh, starts at a higher level and then doesn't start to decline uh, until they're about 38, 39, or 40. So the nuts and bolts this week, the effect of aging on your cycling performance, yes, it's the hot topic at the moment, but it's also something that I believe most people dread talking about because it represents a slow downward spiral into death. 
Okay, that's a bit drastic. I know, but as far as wanting to talk about it, I know myself, I find trouble. I'm not old. I'm 33 years old, but I know that I'm moving in that direction and just being aware of what's going to happen to my body and how I can adjust my training is probably going to help me, but something stops me from talking about it. So I'm trying to bust it open this week, talk about it out in the open so you can start talking about it more with your cycling buddies. Hopefully, something like Chris Horner's win opens up this whole thing so that everybody is more interested in talking about it and seeing that it's possible to do well after 40 and also to continue to do well because there are other benefits that you will get from this. So I'm going to explore the whole slowdown of your performance as you get on a bit in age. And the great thing about cycling is that essentially you can do it forever. Well, not forever, ever, 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 but a lot longer than football, soccer, mixed martial arts, anything that's out there that's impact and that it's hitting you hard. You just can't do that because your body can't sustain it over a long, long period of time. We're cycling low impact. As long as you're looking after your body, then you can continue to do it. But we're talking about performance here, which is right on the end of the spectrum. So that is some good news that you can keep doing it. But let's get further into it because I want to clarify, firstly, the two distinct groups of semi-pros that I'm talking about. There is those that have been riding for a long time and those that have taken up cycling later on in life, say after 30, 40 or later. So there's definitely two distinct groups here where there's going to be two mindsets going into any performance gains as you get older. The main difference between the two is their outlook or expectation about the future of their performance. The first group strives to maintain or even improve upon the performance they achieved at younger ages, while the second group strive to achieve new benchmarks. Especially if they didn't train regularly earlier on in life, they will likely become more fit in life than they had ever been and may actually also notice shorter recovery times as they gain fitness. But either way though, at some point, your fitness and athletics performance are going to decline. It is just inevitable with aging. So another element is that unless you're a certain rider that won a certain race in Spain, which we just spoke about, or you're the local hard man that has no family and plenty of time to train and recover, or you're just a freak, everything I'm speaking about in regards to this episode is averages and you probably sit around the averages. Of course, it's going to depend on your individual situation, but let's just work on averages for now so you can sort of put yourself in there a little bit easily and you can figure out how it applies to you. Cycling performance begins to decline at about 0.5% per year beginning at age 35. The decline in aerobic capacity continues at a fairly predictable and gradual pace with a couple of bumps along the way in our 50s and 70s. There was a study done from Boy State University in 2009 called Masters Athletes, an analysis of running, swimming, and cycling performance by age and gender by Ransdell. It does a great job of breaking down performances over time and focuses on athletes within a competitive cohort. So it's looking at pure performance decline over age. It highlights that we can expect to slow down significantly over time in our 50s and experience the greatest negative ranges of change in our 70s and beyond. And these changes, these life and performance altering physical changes include lower levels of testosterone, lost muscle mass, increased risk 
of osteopenia and osteoporosis, an increased tendency for acid-based imbalance, further contributing to bone and muscle loss, a greater propensity for weight gain, lost soft tissue elasticity with an increased likelihood of injury, reduced enzyme activity, less tolerance for heat, and reductions in maximum heart rate and VO2 max. And the other important thing is that the rate of decline is slower in the athlete. So again, a quote normal sedentary person loses about 10% per decade starting about age 30. And somebody who's able to continue to train uh, very hard uh, when they're 40, 50 and so forth only loses about half that much, so 4 or 5% per decade. And again, that's reflected primarily as a uh, or is primarily due to the fact that they've continued to train so hard. According to Tanaka and Seals, not the dude in the soundbite, the VO2 max plays a large factor, but it's not the only reason of a performance decline. And quoting from their article, Endurance Exercise Performance in Masters Athletes, Age-Associated Changes and Underlying Physiological Mechanisms, published on the 1st of January 2008 in the Journal of Physiology, I'm just quoting that because otherwise you're going to think I'm making this up. But the available data indicates that decreases in VO2 max are the most clear and consistent contributor to these declines in performance. The decreases in endurance exercise performance and VO2 max with aging in endurance exercise trained athletes are associated most closely to reductions in exercise training intensity and volume, probably as a consequence of changes in a number of physical and behavioral factors. Example, increased prevalence of injuries and reductions in energy, time, and motivation to train. This says to me that while there will be inevitable reductions in fitness, which is gradual for any trained athlete, there are other factors that we can control if we really want to. What about other factors such as the body's ability to recover after training and racing? So much like VO2 max, I do believe that it also changes with age and we all know that recovery is an integral part of the training process. It just seems to take a little longer as we get older. And really, if you think about it like this, So in your 20s, you might be able to do five or six hard workouts a week and race back-to-back days without any trouble. In your 30s, you may change and you can do three or four hard workouts a week and it's more difficult to race back-to-back days. In your 40s, two or three hard workouts a week and it might be enough and racing back-to-back days might be a bit of a challenge. And in your 50s, one or two hard days a week might be enough and recovering from a race can take an entire week. Does that ring true for you? It kind of rings true for me, except I don't believe I've ever pushed myself to do five or six hard days in a row. So now that we've kind of established what happens, why are these changes taking place? And the trouble with this type of question is that there really isn't an answer yet, and it's not really understood the physiological causes behind it. So what I will do, I'll delve into one area that has a pretty good study that looks at it, and it's recovery. So according to Felon Williams in a 2008 article in the Journal of Aging and Physical Activity, one of the most plausible explanations is that aging muscles are more susceptible to exercise-induced muscle damage and have slower adaption and repair. Cycling training involves some type of muscle overload and then adaption and ultimately produces muscle fitness. And in order to achieve this muscle gain, you have to 
train, create muscle breakdown, recover, then train again, just the normal training cycle. But while the physiological process in younger and older muscles parallel each other with regard to training, subtle changes in the processes within older muscles lead to increases in recovery time. This process is associated with numerous physiological and metabolic factors that contribute to greater damage in the aging muscle and a decrease in repair and recovery, ultimately leading to a slower adaption response to training and increased recovery time. So from a training standpoint, progressive increases in recovery time can lead to delays in further training and ultimately limit fitness gain. Well, that just seems very logical to me that over time, your muscles are going to have more and more trouble to back up. But a number of individual variables plague literature of aging, fitness, and recovery, and Fell and Williams in their review identify various factors that confound the conclusions of aging and recovery studies. For example, many studies are performed on sedentary individuals or recreationally active. So further studies often employ exercises that may not translate to cycling, training, or racing, which does not help us one little bit. Well, it does, because it gives us a broad understanding of kind of what's happening. The good news is, is generally with any type of training or being an active athlete, it means that you're slowing these down. But what can we actually actively do to slow them down ourselves? Because while studies like this don't help us understand exactly why we need more recovery as we age, the good news is that it's possible to retain some shred of athletic ability and dignity as the years add up. So there are certain ways we can do this, and I've got a list of seven, yes, count it out, seven, that we can look at. The number one is listening to your body. Yes, we have all these fancy tools, power meters, PMC charts. We can check our stress balance, our training load, but ultimately you just have to be more in tune with your body, which does get easier with age if you have been taking notice of how you react to training over time. So just being aware of your body and what it's doing, if you feel worn out, you feel tired, and you can't put out the workload that you're expected to, then you probably need more recovery time. You can track this with heart rate variability, which I have spoken about, but it's going to depend on what number really tells you to slow down or stop or when it's cool to go out again. Because as far as understanding your body is, you don't have to be fully recovered to get the best out of training. So it's just about knowing your body well. Number two, follow a structured training plan. A structured training plan allows for consistency and a gradual volume and intensity build up week to week and month to month. I know I'm preaching to the converted when I say this, but overall, you're looking for no more than a 5 to 10% gain in volume or intensity each week. And I really think it's important just to re-emphasize this point that this structure will mean that you won't overload your body too much, which means that you get into trouble. It's just as useful if you're not an aging athlete, whatever that really means. But the idea is that if you follow things like classic three weeks on, one week off microcycles, then you're forced to take a break and your body will be in a better position when you go out to do the hard stuff. And when we're talking about hard stuff, we're talking about number three, which is workout intensity. And there are only three elements of training for a given sport that can be manipulated to produce fitness, workout duration, workout intensity, and workout frequency. And really, it is 
more common when you age to go out for longer and slower rides, just enjoying the countryside, when really you should be ramping it up a lot more because as soon as you start doing workouts with a high intensity factor, which is just below or above your anaerobic or lactate threshold, with an emphasis on muscular endurance, anaerobic endurance, and sprint power, then you're going to start stimulating testosterone release, which really helps to maintain muscle mass. Plus, you will feel great Number four, getting adequate rest and sleep. So if you're upping the intensity of your training, then you're definitely going to have to get more sleep. When you are younger, you can make more mistakes in training and still perform at a high level where aging athletes just can't do this. And it's certainly true when it comes to recovery and sleep. And sleep becomes more and more important as much as the amount, the regularity and the quality are necessary to allow the body to cope with the stress that you are producing. It releases more testosterone again, which is on the decline as you're getting older. So it's going to be much better for you. But aging athletes must be careful not to compromise sleep in order to fit in more activities into their daily lives. So one of the ways to test this is, are you waking up naturally in the morning without an alarm clock? If you are then you're naturally getting enough sleep and your system is telling you that it's fine to get up. If you're using an alarm and you're getting up, then you're just not getting enough and you need to go to bed earlier. Number five, nutrition and hydration. Nutrition is an area that if you don't get right now, you will definitely suffer later on. Well, that statement has to be qualified by saying it depends really how old you are, but overall that your body accumulates bad shit in your gut Yes, that is an official definition, but it's going to accumulate batch in your gut and then at some point something's going to go wrong and the only way to get over it is to turn back the mess or repair it or spend time focusing on that issue and it's really going to suck. It's really going to suck when you're at that point. So you might as well just focus on doing right by your gut and your stomach and doing your nutrition well now because poor nutrition over time, your tolerance will get less and less with your age. So go back and check out the Nutrition Month podcast I did in July for a closer look at nutrition for performance. You will really find a lot of value in those podcasts. And number six, strength training. Move weight, lift weights, do whatever you have to to lift heavy, heavy loads and throw it into your training regime two or three times a week. It does depend on where you are. I believed in a periodized strength training regime, but you are definitely wanting to have them regularly throughout the season all year round. And this apparently can rebuild bone and muscle despite how old you are, which is definitely good news for every person that is listening. And number seven, the final one, which you have heard me harp on about a million times, but here it comes again, mobility and stability work. As the aging process plays out, years of wear and tear are revealed through injury and muscular imbalance. So mobility and stability work will help to address these issues and maintain a good base that all other activities can benefit from. And remember, focus is on the range of motion and movements rather than the muscles individually. Because once flexibility and range emotions start to go, so does the ability to perform at your possible best. You can also, in this realm, utilize massage or a foam roller for myofascial release to help maintain some muscle balance and aid in muscle recovery. Now, that's number seven, done and dusted. They're generally pretty obvious, but I think knowing as a package that these are the things that are going to slow down the aging process will really 
I know I said slow down the aging process. I didn't mean that. I just slow down the decline in performance. There are other factors as well, like the motivation, the time to train and things. So working on those things as well, if you want to stay hungry, stay hungry. But in conclusion here, wrapping up, I really believe the biggest mental hurdle will come from those of you that have been training and racing for a long time. You've ridden or raced through your peak periods and you're now on the decline. You can't repeat the numbers. You can't repeat the intensity from your earlier years while everyone else has picked up the sport later on and they're able to make gains and see improvement moving forward. My advice for you, if you are in the group where you've been training and racing for a long time, is that there is something to be said about being unrealistic at times. And I really think that this may be one of them. It may sound a little smart ass, but there will always be anomalies. And if you just keep moving forward, you will always be doing better tomorrow than yesterday. So set new goals and reach out for them with as much enthusiasm as you have done in the past while you've been at your best. Only good can come from staying in the sport, being happy, being healthy. If you have to drop down a grade to get that winning feeling and keep your motivation, do it. Do it, do it, do it. It's only your pride that is standing in the way of getting the most out of your cycling. The elite older athlete is redefining what what normal aging is and what's possible for people, certainly in middle age and older. It's important to remember that there is a scale between health and performance. And while I have nothing to back this up, my feeling is that spending more time on health and maintenance activities becomes just as important. And things like health checks become vital, especially if you are of the second category and you wanting now to do some high intensity training because you haven't done it up until this point, go get a health check from your doctor. Go get blood done. Go get blood pressure done. Make sure that everything is fine so you have the confidence to jump on the bike and go hard. I really hope you've got something out of this. I hope it really inspires you just to keep moving forward no matter where you are in your cycling journey, how old you are. For you personally, I'm going to leave you with this quote from Joe Friel, you are old when age becomes your excuse. Okay, so moving on now to the tech hacks and products section, talking about alligator cables. It's a product which is not cables. It's actually colored disc brakes. And I've got to say, they're pretty sexy designs and colors. And if you really want to pimp out your ride, this is what you're going to do. It may not have anything to do with performance, but it sure does look sexy. And It's a hot topic at the moment because road disc brakes are starting to seep into our consciousness now when it comes to road bikes and ultimately you're going to want to have a pretty sexy setup to match that sweet carbon ride of yours so definitely check them out i'll put the link in the show notes they look pretty wild and i imagine they're not going to be super expensive to trick your ride now that quote from the top of the show it's adam crockman lumpy Hansen. He just finished his seventh Grand Tour in a row. Now that is a long, 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 long ride. And hats off, dude. That is an absolutely amazing performance. That says consistency. That says the ability to back up, recover, do well, and still stay in. How many is he going to do? That's the real question. The dude is around 32. He's got a few years left in him, so hope he can just keep on going. But that's it for this week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 